0: Some great things are are happening that will give us the ability to to be a better church, actually, uh, going forward. And we look forward to that. So, uh, Kerry, roll down the window and let us listen to your conversation.
1: All right. Can you hear me? Are we on? Can I get yours?
0: This one? This one's working.
1: Well, Stan, we know, and uh, it's uh, it's probably been uh, well understood among all those that we've been communicating with here in this church that uh, uh, we've we brought you and Gina uh, and Scott Uh, Christian. If you guys will stand up, uh, Gina and Scott, they are with uh, Stan uh, from Kairos. Uh, So they have also been instrumental in this uh, second weekend that we've had uh, with Kairos. uh, here at UA and we've been really really appreciative uh, of them and their work and the, uh, just the, the, the difficulty and the challenge and the joy and the wonder of uh, doing what we've been doing all together uh, as a leadership. Uh, so Stan has uh, been involved in, uh, in church planting and uh, church renewal uh, with churches uh, all over the nation uh, and the world as a missionary. Um, and so he's got a very, very wide uh, experience and very deep experience uh, with not just church planting, but church renewal uh, among churches that, like ours that have been around a long time and are uh, now seeking a, 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 a more healthy direction uh, into the future. Uh, and so with all of that experience and all that you've seen, all that you've done, uh, we'd like to know that when you come here uh, to UA, what, is, what, what gives you hope about this church and your experience of it so far?
2: Well, it's been re- very good to be here. Gene and I just deeply enjoy getting to uh, increase our church family. Every time that we have the opportunity to work uh, work with a church, and we do it over an extended period of time, you become family to us, and, and we have these church families scattered across the states, and that's such a good thing. And we're excited to, uh, to have you... Uh, Adopting us, so to speak, into, into your church family here and becoming part of, of the history that God has provided you. So as as, as uh, Carrie and, and Eddie have both said, we've been working hard. I mean, we, we started yesterday morning 8 o'clock. We finished at 5.30. We did about 36 hours of work in that time. So we are working hard together on very significant things. Significant tasks. So, Carrie, your your question: What gives us hope? First of all, it's God. Uh, nothing that we can do can can do what God does. I mean, that that's just it. And if there's any one thing that across our life, uh, working in Kenya, working in the States, having the opportunity a few other countries, we see the hand of God at work. We see him active. We have learned to uh, try to pay attention to what God is doing. And when we come here, first of all, we see... We, we see this place. when This place, University Avenue, I think it's like the church in Ephesus. I, I know that you've been studying that. We got a, a class book that Eddie and Annette have put together. And Ephesus, know, was this... This city that was the gateway to this entire region of what's Turkey now today. And it was so significant that Paul set himself up there for two years to teach and to teach and to teach. And he changed the course of that entire region of the world. And that, that's what we see here. We, we see that God has used UA through the years to be that kind of a, of a gateway church church. And as we look and see the capital one way and the, the university the other way, and you sit right in the midst of that, we don't see that as any kind of coincidence. We say, see that as God's mighty hand working. So coming in and looking at the, situ, at the, the sighting of things uh, it lets us see God. And so that, that's our first piece. I think our second piece is this connection to the university here. Universities are the, they are the gateway to the world. And uh, our our church that we're part of now in Arkansas, Southwest Church of Christ, they have a wolf life at the Arkansas State University. And uh, about three weeks ago, we have an international minister. He went to India. He was... How would he say this? He was shanghaied by the father of an ASU student whom he converted to come to India to explain why his son would become a Christian. And a wealthy family, evidently they are kind of a royalty family in India. And his dad said, if you're going to become a Christian, I want to meet the guy who introduced you to that. And this family paid Cole's Way to India, and he spent two weeks with this family, getting to know them. This is from, I mean, U- UT is one thing, Arkansas State is another thing, you know. It's, it's not a big university, but here it's the gateway to the world, and uh, we've gotten to know Kerry some, first through reputation in the campus ministry world. He's got, he's gold, Okay. This guy is gold, and in campus ministry world, they, they know Carrie. This, this was
1: not in the yet. plan.
2: <laughs> <laughs> and so, when we come here, we we, we see what Carrie has done, and we see the dynamism at the Longhorns for Christ, and that says that says wow, that says hope all over it. So I, I want to thank Carrie for that. It's it's an amazing ministry. And those of you who are at UT, man, thanks for being engaged with it. Uh, You you guys are gold, too. It's great. So I would say those two things really specifically for here give us that deep hope.
1: Uh, So the second question is is somewhat similar, but I think much more specific. Uh, in in your experience, and what is a what is a strength that you've seen um, uh, among UA uh, that uh, has impacted you in some kind of way?
2: First of all, getting to work with your your leadership group, uh, it is a sense of um, of being a team working together. There is there is there's not tension amongst your elders, amongst your staff. And leaders, there's a deep appreciation for one another, a willingness to work together. Uh, That's an amazing, amazing strength. And I know that you have worked hard over these last few years to develop that kind of a foundation. So you have a a great leadership team that appreciates and respects each other and is willing to work together. I think the second thing is the... uh, the willingness to address challenging questions. Uh, we live, we've talked quite a bit about being BC churches or AC churches. And we use that as a little bit of a shorthand to say before computers and after computers. And those of us who were born B.C., you know, way back there before there were smartphones and televisions, you couldn't turn on and off from a single button and that kind of thing. It's a different world today. And uh, churches are having to, to come into that world where everything has, is remaking itself. And uh, for a church that's, uh, and most churches in the U.S. are B.C. churches. They were started. They were planted. That's the word we use. They were planted in the 1930s or 50s or 80s or even the 90s. Those are all B.C. churches. And now we have to remake ourselves for a 21st century world. And there's just challenges with that. And uh, your leadership team is willing to to think through those challenges and to address them. And those, those two pieces, that, that peacefulness and respect for each other and the willingness to address challenges, are, are bedrock pieces that we work for, and you have them here very strongly.
1: Well, we appreciate you, Stan, and we're very thankful for you and the work that you're doing with us right now. And uh, we feel uh, the presence and the blessing of God uh, on that.
2: We are delighted to be here. Like I said, Gina, my wife, uh, is a deep part of, of this team, and we've invited Scott Christensen, who is a church planter. Uh, to come with us and uh, to observe and to share and to bring some of his experience as well. It's it's been a great weekend. Glad to be here.
1: Well, we want to show our appreciation to you and Gina and Scott and all the work that uh, you are continuing to do with us.
3: Everyone needs compassion, a love that's never failing. Let mercy fall on me. Everyone needs forgiveness, the kindness of a Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. To save, he He is is mighty mighty to save forever. Forever. Author of salvation, he rose and conquered conquered the grave. grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Take me me. me as you find me, all my fears and failures. To follow
4: Everything
3: I believe in Now I surrender Savior He can move the mountains My God is mighty to save He is mighty to save Forever Author of salvation
4: text for today is from the book of John. This is a conversation. Chapter 3, the first 21 verses. Now, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, We know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you are doing if God were not with him. In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth. No one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. How can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the desert, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world... because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you.
0: Good to see you this morning. We uh, we have people that are visiting with us today. All that's very good. We remember that Matt Carson is on the verge of getting married, and uh, that's a that's a very wonderful place to be. Right, Matt? That's good. That's that's good. Uh, Matt's been here a long time. And it's. Uh, we're glad that he's taking this ride with Miss Trevlin. That's great. If you've come today, um, we want you to know that we've been uh, reading and studying in the Gospel of John. John was one of the apostles of Jesus, one of the people that followed him from the very start of his ministry. And John stayed with Jesus all the way through his death and resurrection. John was with Peter when the church first started in Jerusalem. He was right there when it started. And John lived longest of any of the apostles. He lived almost to the end of the first century. And uh, toward the end of his life, probably the last 25 years of his life, he lived in and around Ephesus. That's, that was where he was from. And so in our church right now, we're kind of up to here with Ephesus. Uh, we're studying Ephesians, which was written to the area around Ephesus and to the city. We're studying the Gospel of John, which is uh, John's Gospel to Ephesus. We're, we're, we're pretty up to here. And then to have somebody come and tell us that we remind him of Ephesus is, uh, well, maybe we're doing the right thing. Maybe we're doing the right thing. John wants to write the gospel, the good news, the story of Jesus in such a way that people who don't know Jesus, when they hear the story, they're attracted to Jesus. They think something about him that says, you know, I, I, think, I'd like to, I think I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'd like to hang out with Jesus. I don't know about church, but Jesus I like. I could do that. And John chapter 3 is one of the places where that tendency in us to fall in love with Jesus really ramps up. To get to this uh, place this morning, I want to tell you about an old time. Uh, It is a B.C. time. It is an ancient time where people huddled around uh, fires and and lived in unair conditioned spaces. It was back, well... Back as far as maybe the 1960s, it's ancient times. But back then, you, you, could, you could do some things. You could go to a convenience store and you could check whether or not the tubes in your television worked. And there were signs on convenience stores that said, tubes tested here. And if your little TV didn't work, you could open the back of it with it on. You could look in there and you could see. You don't even know what a tube is. But you could look in there and you could see if a tube was lit. And if one wasn't lit, you could take it out and you could go to the store and you could put it in there. You could find what kind of base it had. And it would say, not good. And then you could open the little case down here and you could get a little tube out. And you could go home and you could plug it in. And boom, you could see the news, which was on 15 minutes a day. That was enough back then. Um, you could see that, and uh, you could fix it. You could also go down the street, and you would see a sign that said, uh, Generators wound here. And if your, your generator went out in your car wouldn't charge, you could go in and it, they could rewind your armature. I'm not sure how many of you have ever had that done, had your armature rewound, but it can be really painful. Um, but it can really help your car. You can fix it. it, it would, you could go in and your car wouldn't charge and they would rewire your, rewind your armature and it would work. Things like that. I've had all kinds of things done where you went in with these marvelous mechanics. Um, Our friend Bobby Pollard, who's at home today and suffering with cancer in a terrible way, was a fix-it mechanic. And he he mourns the time when they started having um, the electronic ignition. Where you couldn't get in and fix the points and the plugs, you could just change the box. And and, and it, we've moved into a time where you don't really fix your television anymore. You, how many of you have actually within the last four or five years called somebody to come fix your television? No one. Oh, really? Hester? Yeah. All right, that's very good. How many of you have changed out a television that didn 't work? Yes, look at that see you don 't fix them anymore. You just chunk them and uh, and get one that 's flatter and wider and brighter and uh, that that sort of works our Our Christmas tree died. We came in one day we walked in and uh, We looked at our Christmas tree, and the bottom half was lit, and the top half was dark. We looked at that, and nobody said, I wonder how we fix that. We said, it's after Christmas anyway, we'll throw it away, and next year we'll get another one. We'll just get another one. And so while there may be a few people that fix things these days, basically we're a, a throw it away and get a new one. Kind of folks, and and for us that sounds like waste. I've got a my so I've done this before. I've I've told you this story before, but I want to tell you again because the other day we had grandchildren in our house and we had balloons and the balloons popped and so there were dead balloons around our house and uh, and so this story comes up and I know that I'm going to be preaching in John three, so I told Annette, don't throw that away. Uh, this dead balloon is important when we, uh, when we had our younger our, our first son, he was little he had balloons and one day he, he popped it and he came to Annette uh, our esteemed um, Primera Dama de Iglesia uh, the, uh, she brought this to Annette and he said mama, fix it and she said, I, I, I can't. I can't fix it. Yeah, I'm the kid, you're the mom, something's broken, you can fix it. You can't, I can't fix it. He, knowing all things, at an early age, knowing all things said, well daddy will fix it when he gets home. <laughs> Did you tell him daddy couldn't fix it? Daddy couldn't fix it either. He said, Daddy can't fix it either. And his response was, he'll get me a new one. He'll get me a new one. So my young son, who is now my older son, was built for a a discard and replace world. Daddy can't fix it, but he'll get me a new one. And so in John chapter 3... Uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus by night, we won't go into why it's by night. People write long paragraphs about why it's by night. We don't know why it's by night. It's by night. He comes by night, and he starts off with this flowery kind of. Honor of Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, we know you 're a teacher's come from God. No one could perform the miraculous signs you 're doing if God were not with him. Jesus knows Nicodemus. Nicodemus is a Pharisee. The Pharisees are a group of the Jews who are trying to fix Judaism. They're trying to get the Jewish people to reform and get back closer to observing the law. They like all of the Old Testament. They like the first five books and they like the rest of it. They like all of the laws, 600 and something rules. They like all of those. They're, they're, they're really serious about this. They're sort of the back to the Torah people. Uh, they're, they're good. They're, they're sort of the restorationists. They're, they're great people. But they're trying to fix something and 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 Nicodemus is coming to Jesus as the teacher to hear his ideas his rabbinical uh, notions of how to continue fixing the faith and fixing the practice and fixing how things should be maybe there will be a fifth party of the Jews not just the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the Zealots and the Essenes but maybe there will be a new kind of Jewishness that will come out of the Jesus people and when he comes to see Jesus Jesus says what you've already figured out is the sermon because you're smart he says I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he's born again. Jesus says to this Pharisee that your life and your position in the Jewish faith and your position as a Pharisee is not a fix it. It's a begin again. It's a half, you have to start over. It's not a fix it. And he goes on to say uh, to Nicodemus, after Nicodemus asked kind of the silly reflection, you know, how, how uh, how do you get inside your mom again to be born again? Well, and Jesus says, I tell you the truth, verily, verily, I say unto you, no one can enter the kingdom, the rule of God, unless he's born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. And you shouldn't be surprised that I talk about the spirit, because the spirit blows where he wills and does as he pleases. And so it is with everyone who's born of the spirit, not not fixed by the spirit, not rewound like an armature, uh, not not tested um, on some uh, bench and 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 somehow reworked. The spirit is going to reborn you. This is the reason that the Son has come into the world. That whoever would believe on Him would not perish, but have a new, reborn, eternal life. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world for its brokenness. But he came into the world that whoever believed in him would be able to have a new life in the light. That those who come to him at night out of the darkness, see the parallel, the night and the darkness. Those who come to Jesus out of the darkness are not invited into a little bit more light they're invited to a new life born into the light and so it is with us that those of us who are in Christ are not in Christ because Jesus has taken us on as a project but that Jesus has taken us on as people in need of new birth. So so there's there's times when people don't think they have much hope for renewal. Let me let me read a little prayer to you that maybe is a prayer you could join. This is by a guy named Ted Loder in a book that he uh, wrote called Gorillas of Grace. It's called Drive Me Deep to Face Myself. Lord, grant me your peace. For I have made peace with what does not give peace. And I'm afraid. Drive me deep now to face myself so that I may see that what I truly need to fear is my capacity to deceive and my willingness to be deceived. My loving of things and using of people, my struggle for power and shrinking of soul, my addiction to comfort and sedation of conscience... My readiness to criticize and reluctance to create. My clamor for privilege and silence at injustice. My seeking for security and forsaking the kingdom. Instill in me, Lord, such fear of you as will begin to make me wise. Most of us know what some of those feelings are like. Fear, arrogance, addictions, reluctance, silence. We know what those are. And and some of those things... Keep us a long, long way from Jesus. Because we can't imagine that being close to Jesus would change us much. It's hard to believe that Jesus would change who we are in our marriage or who we are in our family. It's hard to believe that Jesus would change us in, in the very way we appear to ourselves when we look in the mirror. But but Jesus says, that's exactly what I want. I want you to come by day or by night. I want you to come knowing yourself or maybe not knowing yourself all that well. And I want you to be willing to to start over and let your new life begin in me. And and we know what that looks like. The Jesus says, come and we'll wash your life in the blood of the cross. And we'll give you forgiveness. You get to start over clean. And then I'll give you the Spirit. And the Spirit is all about making you new. And you get credit for being new right from the start. And you get to become new as the Spirit works in your life. But this isn't a matter of do it yourself, fix it yourself. This is a matter of the wind of the presence and the power of the Spirit of God comes to make you new. So every day when you begin the day, you don't have to begin weighed down by the day before. Because the new life in Christ doesn't just begin once. But the new life in Christ that begins in Jesus and walks in the presence of the Spirit begins new every day. Every day you begin again. Every day the Spirit is at work in our life. Every day. It is too good to be true, and exactly what is true. It is too great a gift to imagine. And exactly the gift that is given. It is new life in Christ. Nobody fixes this. You get a new one. Let's stand and sing.